Good morning again. Um, we're continuing in our series going through the Gospel of Mark, and for those of you that may not know where that is, that's in the New Testament, one of the first few books in the New Testament. They're called Gospels, and um, really the Gospels are biographies of Jesus Christ. And so we get a unique view into the life, into the ministry of Jesus. We get to know who he is, we get to know what he did, what he cared about, what he was passionate about, what he didn't like, you know, and what it looks like to follow, it, uh, to follow him. And some things are beginning to stick out to us as we've embarked in this series together. Uh, the power of Jesus, you know, is just really prominent, but also the love and compassion that Jesus shows all the time. Jesus is full of power, but at the same time, he's also full of love and compassion. We've learned from this already that Jesus is healer, healer. And, um, and I don't know how you feel about that, you know, but Jesus heals. Jesus heals the sick. Jesus is the great physician, you know, and me over this past week, I'm just like, man, that's awesome. You know, I was really sick last week, and through God's grace, I don't know how, I don't even remember what I said, but, you know, um, God got me through it. I'm still sort of, sort of struggling, you know, but I feel a little bit better, but, but Jesus, we can look to him as the great physician. There's a lot of people sick out there, right? Um, it's interesting, in Mark 2, just a few verses, a few chapters before we'll be today, Jesus says this, it's not the healthy who need a physician, but the sick. He, he was talking about himself. Now, ultimately, we know that he was talking about the sickness of sin, right? And he, how Jesus came for sinners, but you, where does sickness come from? It's a result of sin, right? And so it's clear as we read through this that Jesus has compassion on people that are sick, that are hurting, that have needs, right? Um, today we're going to look at two individuals who were in very difficult situations. These two individuals had some needs and they were desperate. Let me ask you, have you ever been desperate? You know what I mean by desperate, right? I mean, you, you have exhausted pretty much all of your options. You don't know where to turn. Your need is so great that you're scared, you're frightened, you're unsure of how it's going to turn out. I think we've all been been there. Um, I remember Isaac. Maybe you all have heard me tell this story before. If you've known me for a while, Isaac, my oldest son, when he was young, we went on vacation, and we lost him on vacation. Okay, and I'm not talking about for a few minutes. I'm talking about for most of the day. Um, you know, we went to the beach area and Isaac was just learning how to ride a bicycle and so this place we go to in South Carolina you just ride bikes everywhere and um, we left him with my grandparents and he took off and just kept going you know and they lost him and we got the news that they couldn't find him and so we went out and looked for him and started panicking you know called the the, the security folks to to be looking and so I get on my bike my bicycle and I'm pedaling all over this island. 
I mean, sweat is pouring from me, and I'm passing these ponds that say danger alligators. And I'm like, oh, oh. You know, and, and then I hear these sirens go by me really fast and police cars and rescue squads. And, I'm, and so my mind is just thinking, oh, no. You know, what happened? And, you know, it went like this for hours. And I can remember my wife, we were just, we were desperate. Didn't know what, you know, didn't know what to do. Luckily, we, we found him. He was not far from where he got lost. You know, he was still on the boardwalk. Thankfully, he had stopped, and a, and, and a nice lady, I think God sent her, um, stayed with Isaac the whole time until somebody, you know, arrived. Um, I also remember Callie, when she was born, we had a tough time with her birth. And, uh, you know, the cord was wrapped around her neck, and so every time Angela pushed, it would choke Callie. And there was moments there where I'm just, what do you do? I mean, I'm desperate. And even when she came out, she was blue and not breathing. And those, those seconds seemed like minutes, seemed like hours, trying to get her to take a breath. You know, what do you do? What can you do? Cry out to Jesus? That's, you know, that's what I did. You've been there. You, you may have had those times where you feel desperate. But we have a God, thankfully, that wants us to turn to him in those times. Okay? We have a God who wants to deliver us from desperation, who wants to help us in times of need. And we're going to read through that today. And I think this is an amazing story. And before we go home, I'll give you two truths to take home with you today. So Mark chapter 5 is where we'll be. Go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. If you don't have a copy of God's Word with you, the verses will be on the screen. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. So Jesus before this was in a Gentile region. This is the lake, but we know it as the Sea of Galilee. Um, Jesus had been doing some miracles on the other side, which is a Gentile region. He had just helped a man uh, that was demon-possessed by a whole lot of demons. Just struggled his, for a long time. He was outcast. Jesus shows up and, and heals him. Sets his mind right. Okay, um, But the people there run Jesus off. You know, such a tragic story to, to push Jesus away, so he leaves. You know, Jesus won't stay where he's not welcomed. He leaves and goes to the other side of the lake, which is a, a Jewish region, all right? And he, and he gets here, and there's a large crowd gathered around him. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. I want you to pay attention to that phrase, fell at his feet. Maybe even circle it in your Bible. Here we're introduced to a guy named Jairus, and he was a leader of the synagogue, and I want you to think of a, as a manager, right? A general manager of the synagogue. And he, he was a very important guy. More than likely, more than likely, actually very likely, he would have been an opponent of Jesus. Why? Because he was a synagogue leader. Those guys did not like the religious leaders, right? They were against Jesus and his ministry. So he was probably on the same side as them. But something changed in him. 
Something changed about his opinion of Jesus. Something in his life changed, and something pushed him towards Jesus. As soon as Jesus came into town, Jairus didn't casually walk. He ran up to meet Jesus, and he fell at his feet. Verse 23, he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. And it says, so Jesus went with him. So we see the reason that Jairus was coming to Jesus. His daughter was sick and, and very sick to the point of death. And we find out in scripture that this is his only child, all right? And uh, something special about children. There's something special about daughters. For those of you that have daughters, you know, I've got one. There's just a, there's a bond there that's hard to explain, especially between a father and a daughter. So when I read through this, I can just feel Jairus' desperation. I can and I want you to understand, Jairus was a wealthy guy. He had a great job. And at this point, he's probably already hired the best medical care, the best physicians that money could buy. But they've all told him that there's nothing that he could do for his daughter. There's no hope. And as a matter of fact, you know that she probably could die that very day. That's how sick she was. Nobody could help. And so, in desperation... Jairus thinks, well, what about Jesus? You know, all those things that he had heard. What about Jesus? Maybe he could help. What if what they're saying is actually true about him? I've tried everything else. What about him? So what does he do? He finds Jesus. He bows down, which is an act of worship. I want us to notice that. And he pleads for his help. But notice how he does it. Notice his faith. What does he say? Come lay hands on her so she might be, will be healed. Do you see that? That doesn't sound wishy-washy, does it? Right? Jairus went to Jesus in complete faith and confident that Jesus could help him. And so, amazingly, Jesus decided to go. He said, okay, I'll go with you. Just imagine how Jairus felt. Man, he's, he's probably smiling at this point, maybe a little bit excited. Maybe there's a little bit of hope in his life. He's got nothing but bad news. Here's some good news. Imagine how he felt. But as they were going, the second part of verse 24 says this. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Now, as they were going to Jairus' home so Jesus could tend to his daughter, there's this large crowd that's gathered around Jesus and it's gathered around him so much to the point that nobody could really move or do anything. It's really, really chaotic, you know. And somewhere in that crowd was a woman who was sick. She had a, a bleeding disorder, and it just never, ever got better. And it's interesting to me, like Jairus, she had spent all of her options. 
she spent all the money she had to find answers, to get treatment, to find a cure, but nobody was able to help her. And it says here that she actually got worse instead of better. She had become desperate. Two desperate people in this situation. And what made matters worse is that women who bled like this, biblically, they were considered unclean. This would have made it so much worse. And how long had she been like this? 12 years. Wow. Not able to go around others, not able to talk to others, not able to even touch her own family. Can you imagine that? Which makes what she does next amazing. Amazing. And shocking. Verse 27. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched. Not supposed to touch anybody. She touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. She know, Look, She's not even supposed to be there. She knows it. Because, why? Because she's like hiding and being all stealthy and crawling around and, and sneaking. She knows she's not supposed to be there. She knows she's not supposed to touch anyone, but what is she? Desperate. She's desperate. And in her desperation, she turns to Jesus. And no, notice her faith. If I just touch him, I might be. I will be healed. Do you see that? Both Jairus and this woman here exhibited a type of faith that I'm not really sure how to explain it other than it's completely confident in who Jesus was and what he could do. She touched Jesus and immediately her bleeding stopped. Immediately she was healed. Immediately she was better. And, and it goes on to say, out of all the people there in this big crowd, Jesus realized that somebody touched him. He felt the power come out of him and go to her and he started asking, who touched me? Who, who touched me? The disciples were like, uh, Jesus, everybody's touching you. You know, how are we supposed to know? There's so many people around you. What are you talking about? And, and it's funny because in reality, Jesus, the Son of God, knew exactly who touched him. He did. But he still wanted the person to come forward. So he, he sort of just, there's this awkward moment. We have, all have those awkward moments, right? Where there's silence and you're like, what do I do now? Jesus is not doing anything. He's just sort of looking at people and waiting for somebody to come forward. And eventually... Verse 33, then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now this woman with this condition for 12 years in front of everyone admitted that she Touch Jesus. She fell at his feet and told him her whole story. Told him the whole 
truth. This would have been so hard for her, okay? She was taking a big chance here, taking a big risk. Not only would it have been very embarrassing, can you imagine being a woman and telling everybody this? Right? Not only would it have been very embarrassing, but everybody knew her. Everybody knew her story. Everybody knew who she was. And what did Jesus, how did Jesus respond to her? Called her daughter. Daughter. This is the only time that Jesus uses this word right here. So think about this. He's saying, not only have I healed you of your disease, but because of your faith, I've included you in my family. You might not have been able to be around your family, but in my family, everybody's welcome. You see, her remarkable faith in Jesus healed her. It restored her. It freed her from her suffering. And and this in itself is just a remarkable and great story. But what about Jairus? (laughs) Remember him? He's probably thinking the same thing. Hey, remember me? You know, Jesus, I'm glad you got a daughter now, but what about mine? Remember her? Right? Verse 35. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader, says this, your daughter is dead. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore now? Imagine that moment. Imagine being Jairus and being there and hearing that. and ex- Not just hearing it. When you get some news like this, some of you may have. You don't just hear it, you feel it. And, and also think about this. Jesus, you stopped. You were, you were on your way to help me, but then you stopped. What if, you, what if you didn't stop? Right? You know, could you've gotten there in time? And, and others, others around him said, your daughter's dead. Don't bother him anymore. There's no use. There's no point now. Right? I mean, imagine hearing those voices around you after hearing that news. I want you to notice the heart of Jesus. Before Jairus can utter one word, before he would allow any negativity to soak into Jairus' mind, before he gave up hope, Jesus stepped in and says this, verse 36, overhearing what they said, Jesus told who? Him. Him. And I can almost imagine just Jesus looking straight at Jairus, right in the eye. At him. Don't be afraid, just believe. Don't be afraid, just believe. This is all Jesus said. Would that have been enough for you? I've tried to imagine this. I've tried to imagine what Jairus is feeling and, and just trying to hold on to faith, trying to hold on to belief trying to let go of what you know 
and have complete faith in God. This goes back to what we talked about a couple of weeks ago. Who is Jesus to you? All right? If Jesus is the Son of God, then nothing is beyond his power. Nothing. There's, there's nothing that he cannot do if Jesus is the Son of God. What did these people say? Very important. Why bother the teacher anymore? The teacher. So who was he to them? The teacher. And that's it. They left it at that. To them, he was just a teacher. But to Jairus, he had faith that Jesus was more than that. He, and so he held on to belief. He held on to faith, even though it was small. And Jesus would say, you know, faith, small faith, can do great things, can move mountains. He held on to it. And he, despite hearing this, from probably people he trusted, he allowed Jesus to continue to his home. And when they got there, people, the, the funeral had already started. Family members were there, other people were there. They were weeping, they were wailing loudly. It was over. And Jesus shows up and he's like, What's, why is everybody crying? She's not dead, she's only sleeping. Right? Look, either Jesus Either that is a remarkable truth or he's completely crazy. It can only be one or two. The people there thought he was crazy. You know why I know? It says they laughed at him. That's not possible. <laughs> this, this guy's lost his mind. She's dead. She's dead. They, they, they laughed at him. So the people there really didn't believe who Jesus was either. But Jairus, through, through the news that he got and also showing up at his own house with his own folks there, ridiculing Jesus, Jairus never did that. He never lost hope. He held on to faith in verse 40. After he put them all out, I think it's funny. Jesus comes in, you laugh at me? I'm kicking you out, Right? Jesus comes in and kicks them all out. He took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. So without any further delay, Jesus went in to where the little girl was and, and he took only those who had faith in him and he gently gently took the little girl by the hand now what did he do there he touched her and here's another thing you didn't touch dead bodies unclean there were certain people that only could do that during certain times and Jesus goes right in just like a loving father or grandfather and just kind of sits on the side of the bed and just takes her by the hand and doesn't even think that she's unclean. You know, she's just sleeping. Told her to wake, 
wake up and get her out of bed. I've done that a few times in my life. Most of the time I have to yell, get up. Throw cold water on them and stuff. (laughs) But notice the power of Jesus, all right? To us, dead, right, dead. To him, sleeping. When he tells her to get up, verse 42, immediately, it's like, whoa. It's like, all right, somebody throws cold water on you. (laughs) You're going to raise right up. When Jesus talks to you and says, get up, you're going to raise right up. Get up. Immediately, the girl stood up and began to walk around. She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. And Jesus healed this girl. Immediately, she got up like, hey, what's everybody doing here? (laughs) Where's the party? You know, she gets up like nothing ever happened. Jesus even made sure that she got a good meal after this. Everyone, it says everyone was astonished. Let me ask you this. Does this astonish you? It should astonish all of us. It should amaze all of us. This isn't a fairy tale story. This is our Savior. This is our Lord. This is his heart. Who is this that ministers to outcasts like this? Who is this that touches the unclean? Who is this that goes and sits on the bedside of a little girl? Who is this that does what others can't do? Who is this that does the impossible? Who is this that can heal with just a touch? Who is this that can bring dead people back to life? Who is it? It's Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, full of power, but full of compassion and love. There's nobody like him. Nobody else. I don't know. You, we read through this, and man, I, I truly believe God can speak to us in different ways. And just by reading this story, I believe God has spoken to us. I don't know how he's, how he's done that, but before we leave, I want to give you two things really quick. Um, that I believe are very important in our struggles and in our difficulties and, and moments of desperation. And you can write these down. First thing, through faith, we can go to Jesus with anything. Through faith, we can go to Jesus with anything. Anything. Through faith, we can go to Jesus. It's clear in this story that Mark wants us to understand you can go to Jesus. Look, this guy was the busiest person in the area at the time. You think your calendar is full and you are busy? Jesus was busy. He had just, <laughs> he had just healed a demon-possessed man that was full of a legion of demons. He had just crossed the Sea of Galilee. As soon as he got to the other side, here comes Jairus with this problem. What did Jesus do? Oh, man, I just need a break. Oh, man, come back tomorrow. No, he, he, healed, he listened to him, went to help him. This lady, you know, she interrupted Jesus going to help Jairus. He could have said, no, I'm all, I, I've already got an appointment. Or wait your turn or get in line or something like that. No. I, it's clear to us that Jesus is accessible. And through, I know Jesus isn't physically like right here in front of us. I want you to understand what happened. Through the cross, we have access to the Lord at any time. That's what Jesus did on the cross. 
He gave everybody, all of us, the entire world, access to him at any time. We can go to him. Look, here's what I know. You show up at a doctor's office without an appointment. (laughs) Depending on who the office lady is, you might be able to smooth talk her a little bit. But usually they're pretty strict. Especially a specialist. You know, I need an appointment for this. All right, the soonest one I have is two months. (sighs) Okay. Right? Not Jesus. Hmm? No appointment necessary. Even ER, okay, you're desperate, you're desperate, desperate medical situation, you go to the ER. Even the ERs have a 10 to 20 minute waiting time, right? Not with Jesus. And then what does it cost? You know the price of Super Bowl tickets, average price? One ticket, $4,000. Anybody plan on going that's why you're here right no I mean uh, all access pass over $5,000 all access you know you get a little bit extra get to maybe meet some of the players stuff like that over five grand you know what it costs to go to Jesus the son of God that can heal people and raise people. For, you know what it costs to go to him? Nothing but your faith. Nothing but your faith. And that is a big, big deal. Psalm 145. I love Psalms because you can pray the Psalms. You can read the Psalms and meditate. You can sing the Psalms. They're so versatile. And they meet you where you are in life. Psalm 145, verse 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. In truth. I want you to understand that. In truth means what? Sincere faith. Sincere faith. Real faith. We can go to Jesus anytime and with anything, but it's important that we realize we must, we must go with confident and sincere faith faith and be open and be honest and be vulnerable I know some of the things we go through are private we don't want to talk about them but it's important that we go to Jesus in faith I think about this lady how embarrassing it would have been for her but she was open she was honest she was vulnerable and listen the Lord knows when we don't go to him in real faith he knows he knows Out of all the people that were touching him that day, he noticed the one hand that was touching him with real faith. That's how he knew. Out of everybody there that just wanted to be around him, that just got caught up in the show, he noticed one hand that touched him with real faith. And through faith, we can go to Jesus with anything. It doesn't matter what it is. Nothing is off limits. Both Jairus and this woman, they both had unique needs. But here's the thing, nobody had been able to help them. But the Son of God (laughs) specializes in what others can't do. He specializes in the impossible. Look, there are many, many things that you might be able to handle. I'm one of those people. I'm like, I 
try to help myself as much as I can. Sometimes I'm very stubborn and prideful in that. I haven't been to the doctor yet and I've been sick a week. (laughs) Some things, a lot of things you can handle on your own. But there may be some things that are beyond your ability. There may be some things that are beyond others' ability when the doctor says, there's nothing I can do. I've tried to figure this out. I've tried to help you. I don't know what's going on. We may have those moments of desperation. And here's the thing. Sometimes God allows those moments because those are the only moments that will turn to him. Right? In those moments, we need to know that we can go to Jesus in faith and we can bring to him anything, anything that we are dealing with. Second thing, real quick, and then we'll finish. Through faith, we can trust Jesus with everything. Through faith, we can trust Jesus with everything. This is very important, and I know I've, I'm, I'm about done here. But I really want you to get this. Once we go to Jesus in faith, that's just the first part of it. We can trust in him that he will handle whatever it is that we bring to him. Okay? Faith not only means that I come to Jesus, but after I come to him, I trust him. After I've came, you see. Psalm 62, verse 8. I love this. And I really want you to think through this with me. Trust in him at all times. You people, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. That is such a marvelous verse. First of all, at all times, which means in every situation, there's going to be times where, oh yeah, this is easy to trust in God in. There's going to be other times where that is challenged. But the word of God says at all times, trust in him. And then it says, pour out your hearts to him. You know what that means? Empty yourself. Pour out. Completely pour it out. Don't just give him a little bit. You pour out your hearts completely to him. And then it says here, God is our refuge. I know that's kind of awkward to us. We don't really, that word doesn't mean that much to us. But refuge is a place where you're supposed to stay in times of trouble. You don't leave the refuge. You go there. And once you're there, you kind of stay. You just leave. Um, I got another illustration for you. And it's very simple and it won't take long. But many times what we do is we, we have a problem. We have an issue. We have a need. We're desperate. And then we, we say, God, I'm going to bring this to you. And we, we give it to God. And then we're like, oh, what's taking so long? Right? Or I'm not sure you can, you can handle this. Or we get impatient. Or we begin to listen to others around us. And then what do we do? We take it right back. We take it back. And what we've done is we've went to God in faith, but we haven't trusted him with everything. We haven't trusted him with what he does after. What we need to do is this, give it to him and put the lid on it and let him keep it. We let him keep it. Things might not always go the way that we want, but in the end, if we trust in Jesus, we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is in complete control. 
And through faith, we can trust Jesus with everything. That means we, we not only bring our needs to him, but we trust in his response. We, that's hard to do. That is so hard. We trust with what he does after. We surrender our faith to him. We trust that he is our refuge, that he is holding our situation. Both Jairus and the woman, what did they do? They fell at the feet of Jesus. Both of them did. What were they doing in that moment? Hey, man, they weren't just verbally coming up and saying, Jesus, here's my need. They fell at the feet, which means that they were surrendering their situation to Jesus. They surrendered it. After the woman was healed, you know, she could have done a hit and run. <laughs> she could have just went boop and just like went away. But it's interesting. She came in faith and she stayed. She trusted in Jesus even though she really didn't know how it would turn out after. Listen. She could have been arrested. She could have been ridiculed by everybody there. She could have legally been stoned. But she trusted in Jesus and she came forward and the Bible says that she told him the whole truth. That is a need, a situation in God's refuge. Completely trust in the hands of God. And think about Jairus. Not only did he risk his career, you know, with the religious leaders, not only did he risk his reputation, but his daughter actually died. How many of us would have given up right there? Our trust, anyway. How difficult that must have been to continue having faith, to continue trusting in Jesus, but he did. He did. And even though he went through an impossible situation, he was never alone. Jesus was with him the entire time. And Jesus ended up helping him in a greater way than what he could have ever expected. You see, this story has taught us that Jesus has the power over everything, even death, folks. Even death. To Jesus, death isn't the end. To Jesus, death is as simple as sleeping. Do you believe that? If Jesus can conquer death, if he can do that with that girl, what can he do with my life? Well, there's nothing that we cannot trust him to do in our lives. And this story has taught us that Jesus has power, but he also has love and compassion. Listen to me. I'm closing. The Lord of heaven loves you. He loves you. Where do you need to hear those words of Jesus? Don't be afraid. Just believe. Just believe. Let's pray this morning. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you for your love, thanking you for your word. Father, as we read through this story, we see that you are powerful, that nothing is beyond your power. But we also see that you have a heart that is almost unexplainable. 
a heart like no one else's, a heart that loves each and every person, and a heart that specializes in helping those in need. Father, this morning we come to you with our needs, no matter what they are, because we believe in you. We have faith in you. Father, we bring those to you. We fall at your feet, and we surrender our needs to you. We surrender our lives to you. Father, we place our trust in you in knowing that you are holding us. Whatever we're going through, you are holding that situation. Father, I pray for those this morning that are hurting, that are going through difficult situations in life. I lift them up to you. We know that you can do all things. We know that you can heal. We know that you can restore. We ask in faith this morning that you do that, that you meet those needs. Father, ultimately you've shown us that you have power over our biggest enemy, and that's death. And through this little girl, you showed us your plan to save the world. You showed us that death was no obstacle for you, and you ultimately showed us that on the cross when you died for us and you didn't stay dead. You rose from the dead to new life, to conquer death once and for all. Father, we're so thankful for that and we look forward to a day in eternity with you where all sickness is gone where there's no suffering, where nobody is desperate, where there's only love, where there's only peace, and where there's you. And to be with you forever and ever is what we look forward to. In Christ's name we pray, amen.